This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Gordon Damer. Time is, what day is it? I am all out of sorts, but plenty to do on a Wednesday night. Let's do it right now. Yes, off and running on this Wednesday, August 24th. Welcome in. It is ESPN New York tonight. I am Gordon Damer. Flying solo. Uh, I found that out a little bit earlier on this afternoon when I was texting Larry. Find out what we're going to talk about tonight. Larry said, well, I'm still on vacation. I'm like, oh, it's been a while since I've seen Larry because he was on vacation. I'm on vacation. We're filling in here. We're filling in there. But we got a lot of stuff to do. Of course, the number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. You can find me on TikTok, at Old Man Radio. But most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until midnight tonight. And, man, it is good to be back here on ESPN New York tonight. Went away for a while, filling in another day parts and everything else. But uh, it's good to be back. And, look, uh, a lot of stuff to go over, right? We got the football is not too far away. We'll touch on some Jets and Giants stuff tonight as they get closer to opening up the regular season. We got all of a sudden lots of NBA dealings to talk about with Kevin Durant now stuck in Brooklyn, at least for the time being. What's going on with the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell? And I heard something today that made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Look, with the Donovan Mitchell stuff, Donovan Mitchell is eventually going to be a Nick. I feel very confident in that. What the eventual deal will wind up being, that's anyone's guess right now. But I heard something about a potential, you know, one of the names that gets thrown out there that makes absolutely no sense from the Knicks' point of view, from the Jazz's point of view. So we'll get into that maybe in the second hour. But let's open things up, of course, with what we witnessed uh, last night. That would, of course, be the Subway Series. Yankees taking uh, Game 2, sweeping their half of the Subway Series, beating the Mets 4-2. to And uh, the Mets suddenly feeling some footsteps behind them in the National League East once again. Now, it's popped up a couple of times this year. It seems like every time the Braves get close, the Mets find another gear. Even as hot as the Braves have been here since June 1st, the Mets have maintained that lead, have grown that lead back up. But all of a sudden, as we're now getting into late August, early September, here come the Atlanta Braves again, and the Mets with the day off today. The Braves never are off. Uh, It seems like they win every single day, and they win today, so that lead now down to two in the loss column. But from the Yankee point of view, Winning these two games against the Mets were important, right? Not because of the standings, mostly because they needed to start playing better. They needed to start to score some runs, and they needed to stop the bleeding. And they got just what the doctor ordered going up against Max Scherzer in Game 1. Their concerns or fans' concerns about Frankie Montas in Game 2, and they got the job done. They stabilized things a bit. Now, are the Yankees back Are they back to where they were before these uh, doldrums of a month or so? I wouldn't say so just yet. I need to see a little bit more before I'm ready to say that. You need to see the offense get back going again. And now with Giancarlo Stanton getting back, hopefully Matt Carpenter's not too far behind, starting to see some things out of Andrew Benatendi, Aaron Judge picking things up. Maybe, just maybe, they are starting to pick things up offensively again, and that's, that's been the issue, right? Like, it, there's been a lot of issues here over the last month, but the primary issue right now has been the offense. They were just playing games and scoring runs so anemically 
that they, you know, no team can win games consistently if you're scoring one, two, or three runs every single night. Now, I'm not ready to say that the Yankees are back, but it's clear some people think the Yankees are back. You know how you know people think that the Yankees are back? The best sign, it's not about wins, it's not about stats, it's not about the standings. When the media starts talking again about Aaron Judge's contract, that's how you know the Yankees have kind of stemmed the tide and are back on the upswing. That's how you know. There's got to be something to complain about. When the Yankees were off to their historic start, yeah, well, of course, obviously, you cover the, the, the historic start, but there was always that, well, but Judge could leave. Aaron Judge is a free agent after the season. How much is he going to ask? Yankees didn't get the job done. 15-game lead, all the start. Judge could leave. Judge could get $300 million. The Yankees got to get this deal done. Well, they can't get it done right now. He doesn't want to talk until after the season. Pay the man! Well, we'd like to pay the man, but he wants to wait until after the season. Didn't ma- doesn't matter what the actual facts are. Pay the man. I, yeah, well, we're, we're going to try to do that after the season is over. We tried to pay him before the season. He wanted to bet on himself. It was the absolute right call. But that's how you know that people are starting to feel like the Yankees have stabilized things and are pointed back in the right direction. 15 games over five, uh, 15 games lead in the uh, American League East. There's plenty of stories about Aaron Judge's contract. Losing every single day, well, obviously you got bigger things to worry about. Best record in baseball at the All-Star break, Aaron Judge. Are you going to leave the Yankees? 10 wins and 25 losses in a 35-game span, not a peep about Aaron Judge's contract. So that's good. So at least some people think that the Yankee slump is over. Uh, and we'll see. You know, we're going to get Stanton back. The Yankee schedule uh, gets far easier here for the next couple of weeks. Ben Attendee moving in the right direction. Bullpen pieces starting to emerge a little bit more. The Yankees uh, clearly not trusting Araldis Chapman in any big spot whatsoever. So that's a good sign that they're not getting suckered back into that. So that's the Yankees side of things. But then you have the Mets side of things. And you'd have to say these last two games against the Yankees and just the situation that they find themselves in in the National League East has got to be very frustrating. It's got to be very frustrating. Because they have had an incredible season so far, the Mets. They've gotten, think about all the questions that we had about the Mets this year, coming into the year. DeGrom's health, uh, Scherzer when he went down, different things about the, the guys that they signed in the offseason, um, the bullpen questions, Edwin Diaz, all those things, all those boxes, they've been able to check off in the affirmative. Like everything has worked out well. I mean, look, you got injuries that you have to deal with. Everybody's got the injuries got to deal with. But of all the major questions that the Mets had to answer in an affirmative way, they've kind of turned out that way. Everything has worked out well. But yet here you have a situation where we're into late August, almost September. The kids are almost back at school. As I try to fight a smile. The kids are almost back at school. And yet the Mets, having this incredible year, are still kind of having to watch the, the scoreboard. They still kind of have to watch the standings. You know, for, for most of the teams that are on the level of the Mets or at least have played at the level of the Mets so far this year, they're not really doing that. I mean, like the Yankees recent – I mean, the Yankees basically imploded for a month and they had to start kind of worrying a little bit about the standings because, you know, if they had lost that last game to the, 
to the Blue Jays, what would have been down to six, down to five, whatever it would have been. Um, but the, the Astros, they're not worried about the standings. They're worried about, you know, we want to play well. The Dodgers, they're certainly not worried about the standings. I think they lead their division by 60 games at this point. And those are the four teams that have kind of separated themselves in terms of the division leaders this year. The Astros, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets. But yet here you have it that the Mets are still having to focus on the Atlanta Braves because every time you think, oh, the Mets have finally kind of put that to bed, the Braves keep coming back. And the Subway Series, those, were, those had to be very frustrating games. First night, if you're a Met fan, your ace does not show up. And then the second game, your offense, that did not show up. And I said it at the time, and you wouldn't have felt this way going in because, you know, all the focus on the Yankees and how poorly they've been playing. Don't get it twisted. The Mets need these games more than the Yankees do. You know, Yankees were in a free fall for a month on vacation. I'm trying to follow, you know, what the Yankees are doing. And every single day they're losing games. Every single day. And yet still, the amazing thing was, the lead was still like 9, 10, you know, eventually got down to like 7, but that's still a pretty sizable lead. You know, 7 games generally, you'd feel like, ah, you know what, we're in pretty good shape. But with that Braves' latest win today, Mets lead down to 2 in the loss column again. So in terms of the Subway Series, you know, the Mets need, needed those games far more than the Yan- Yankees are being chased by the Rays and the Blue Jays, who are good teams. I think they're playoff teams. They're nice teams. And who knows? They get into October. Anything can happen in a short series. The Mets are being chased by the defending World Series champions who never seem to lose. And, and let's not, you know, sometimes things happen and we get down the road and everybody has revisionist history and everybody wants to change the story. Let's not make any mistake about it. The Mets must win the National League East. They must win the National League East. There's no excuses. There's nothing you can say. I don't want to hear it. Your excuses are, I feel like uh, Alec Baldwin's character in Glengarry, Glen Ross, your excuses are your own. Always be closing. Coffee is for closers, and the Mets have to close the deal in the National League East. They have the easiest schedule less. The Braves' schedule is far more difficult. You've led the entire way. You only have three games against the Braves. You've been better than them when you've played them. You're better than them the entire season. You're better. You've been better. You have to win. You must win the division. There's no if, ands, or buts. Especially now, with you're essentially not just playing for the division. You're playing for the first-round bye. So there's no excuses I don't want to hear. You can't tell me one thing all year. And then when we get to the end of the year, you tell me something else. All year, I've heard this Mets team, it has a different feel. It's a different talent level. The manager is making, and I agree with all those things. I think the Mets are better. I don't think the Mets will end up losing to the Braves. They can't. But then if you say all those things, this is different. This year feels different. This year is different. Well, then you got to pay it off. And by paying it off, that means you have to win the National League East. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Because, again, let's not get it twisted. The Mets have played at a level this year where the, the goal is exactly the same as those other three teams that I mentioned. The Astros' goal is not, hey, let's have a deep playoff run. No, the Astros' goal is to win another World Series, one that's not hopefully tainted. 
The Dodgers' goal is to go out and win a World Series, one that feels a little bit more legitimate than a 60-game season. And the Yankees are the same thing. The goal is to win a World Series. If the Yankees don't win a World Series this year, the season is a failure. doesn't matter if they get to the World Series. doesn't matter if they play in Game 7 of the World Series and they lose on the final pitch. If they lose by a single run on Game 7 of the World Series, you and I all know that the season will be seen as a failure. And when you have played at the level the Mets have played at, that's the same thing. They are, they are an, a win-now team, and they are winning now. They just have to finish the deal and go into the playoffs as the National League East champions. Can't, they cannot afford to allow the Braves to come and pass them like they did last year. Last year, Mets weren't as good. DeGrom gets hurt. He goes down. Things fall apart. This year, you've, you've been able to build this up largely without DeGrom. He's healthy. So assuming, uh, keeping health in mind, if DeGrom is able to stay healthy here through the rest of the way, the Mets are competing for a World Series this year. And you can't tell me you'll feel all that great about the chances of, of winning a World Series this year if in the final month of the regular season you lose the division lead that you've had this entire year and now have to play an extra playoff round as a result. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls involved on the Yankees, the Mets. We've got to turn our attention to some football tonight because i got a question for you. You know, you're starting to gear up for the football season now. It's right around the corner. And at this point of the year, there's always optimism. But who do you think really deserves to have more optimism going into this year? Is it the Jets or is it the Giants? So we'll ask that question a little bit later on, even though I just asked it right now. We got a lot of stuff to do. It's Gordon Dammer flying solo on ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM, and the all-new ESPN New York app. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Gordon Damer. You will forgive me if I misidentify this show with some other show because, you know, he's bouncing around a little bit with everybody on vacation and everything else. So, But uh, it's good to be back. Oh, these, these hours suit a sports fan. These hours are right up my alley. You know, if you're a sports fan, generally you're a night owl because you're staying up late to watch games. And you're going to, you know, if you're watching exciting games, you're not going to go to bed right away afterwards. You hang up a little while longer. Post-game shows, interviews, everything else. So these hours, this is, this is more my speed. And uh, we're talking about the, the Subway Series now wrapped up with the Yankees and Mets. And I do find it interesting. And we'll get to the phone calls here in a second at 1-800-919-ESPN. If the Yankees had lost the, the second game of the Subway, the one last night, the way the Mets lost game two of the Subway Series, it's amazing to me how much more focus would be on the process. Now, in case you didn't notice or you, you failed to pay attention, Mets lose game two, 4-2, right? They went two for 13 with runners in scoring position. They left 10 men on base. If the Yankees had lost that game in the same way, two for 13 with uh, runners in scoring position and 10 men left on base, everybody would be questioning the process. Uh, well, you know, the reason why that happens is because the Yankees' offense is so home run or bust. You know, it's, it's all about the long ball. And when you're swinging for the fences every single game, 
You know, you're going to have games like that going up against good pitching. That's what's going to happen in October because that's what happens when you're home run or bust. Never mind the actual facts. Never mind the fact that the top eight teams in baseball in terms of home runs hit this year, they were all playoff teams this year. The top eight. Really, the team that's the outlier of home runs and success are the Mets. They're like kind of middle of the road. I think they were 15th or 16th in terms of home runs. They got the one big home run hitter, but they play much more to contact, which is fine. Look, if they think that that works, okay, fine. But the problem I have is that fans think that's the way you go about it. That's the way teams go about it. That's the way you're successful. Play to contact, move runners over, small ball. When that's not really true. Like the, the evidence is, is right there. Google is at your, Google is your friend. Google is your friend. The internet, look, a lot of people use it for some weird reasons, but you can use it for productive reasons too. It's there for, it, it's a, just a tool. You can use it any way you want. Use the Google. But if the Yankees had lost that game the way the Mets lost that game, it would not be about, ah, you know, just some bad luck, some, some bad breaks, couldn't get the clutch hit. No, no, it would be about analytics. It would be about home run or bust. No small ball. They didn't play to contact when most of, mo, the most successful teams in the sport play in a very similar style to the Yankees. Now, look, analytically, the other, some other teams are doing a better job of it than the Yankees are. That's just the way it is. But it's not like they're the outlier. It's not like the Yankees are the only team that's trying, is, 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 is looking to hit home runs and, 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 and damage pitches. When they, get, when they get pitches to hit, they're trying to do damage on those pitches. The Mets are the outlier where they are much more of a lineup based on playing to contact, and that's fine. If they think that that will work, who knows? Maybe it will work because their pitching is just so great and their, their closer is just so great. But if, if, the, if the shoe had been on the other foot all day long, we would have heard, well, the Yankees, this is, of, course, of course they were going to lose the game. Of course they were going to go two for 13 with runners in scoring position and leave 10 men on base because they're just about home run or bust. When that's not really, you know. It's not really a fair assessment of the situation. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, let's go to Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, pal? Hi, Gordon. A couple of things. First thing with Len Dawson passing away, you know, uh, a couple of people on the station brought up, you know, he brought, uh, he uh, was with HBO. and Yes, the, of course, NFL. inside the NFL. Well, I'll go back 20 years before that, Gordon. I'm an 11-year-old kid, 1966. Saturday morning, I wake up. And in those days, you know, you had the blackout. You didn't have Monday night football. And there was very little football on TV just on Sundays. You had AFL and NFL football. There was a show that came on. John Facenda narrated it. I think it was Ed Sable was producing it this week in pro football. It was the biggest boon to football that occurred in the 1960s. It included the AFL and NFL highlights the week before. You had that military marching music. I don't know if you remembered it. You remember that? No, I don't. Unbelievable, Gordon. What year is this? This is the 60s? Well, it started in 66. Okay. Saturday morning. Right. And you remember John Facenda with that voice. Of course, of course, yes. And Ed Sabol and then his son took over the NFL films in New Jersey. Mm. 
It was un, it was like and they do the slow motion with the football uh, spiraling into the wide receiver's hand and the narration. It was un, it was the biggest boon to football, if you ask me, in the 1960s. That created the the excitement of football. Watching an NFL or AFL. A highlight show the week after, and it was unbelievable. And of course, then you had the shows later on. You know, Ali Sherman did a show too. Do you remember him? No, right well, I know. The, yeah, I know the Giants coach. He I don't, did it. I, yeah, I don't the former Giants. Okay, uh, Gordon, you mentioned uh, uh, Judge. Yeah, I'm going to expand on this. Let's see if you you, you can think along with me. Baseball's been around about 120 years. Let's take uh-huh. a nice round number, correct? Okay, 120. Sure. Let's take out about eight years when Babe Ruth dominated. Okay, right. we'll take out from, let's say, 1922 to 1929 or 1930. So take out those eight years, then take out another 13 years during the steroid era. Let's say 1997 to 2009, 2010. I so we're going to take out math, about. Okay, go ahead. What's that? I didn't know there was going to be any math on the test, but go ahead. Okay. All right, so we're taking out about 20 years out of that, out of Major League Baseball's 120 years. Out of those 100 years in Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge right now has 48 home runs in the American League. The next closest player in the American League in in home runs, I forgot his name, has 31. Is it Schwartz the closest? I think it's Ramirez. Uh, I don't know. In somebody. terms of home runs? Yeah, on the American League. Oh, okay. All right, go ahead. He, go, go make he's it. got 31. Has there ever been in the 100 years Major League Baseball where a player has had 17 home runs at the end of the season, 17 home runs more than the runner-up in that league? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, Richard. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um... That's how dominant Judge has been. Yeah. I mean, it's he's been uh, he's been amazing so far this year. Uh, I think no I, 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 I would not think that there has ever been as wide a gap between one and two as that. I I can't. I mean, when Mickey did Mickey Mantle with the home runs, I don't know if A Rod in the early nineties or mid nineties. I don't, I can't think of it. I can't think of anybody. Ken Griffey Jr. I don't think they were seventeen better than that. Anyway, uh, uh, Judge, in my estimation, will get seven years. Starting at 45, it'll be between 45 and 50. So you're looking at 315 to 350. I don't think he'll get more than seven years because of the age, but he'll get seven years between 315 and 350. What do you think? Uh, well, look, I mean, he's going to make a lot of money. I, I, I don't know that the Yankees will feel comfortable enough going to that level. And Richard, thanks for the phone call. Um, but all it takes is that one team, right? Uh, I, I've always felt like he will be back with the Yankees and that. It's not just simply about making the most money. Now, if that's what it's about for him, who's to blame him, right? I mean, this is his one chance to cash in, and if, you know, some team offers him $40 million more than the Yankees, well, $40 million is nothing to sneeze at. I can't say that I would necessarily blame him for going to another team, but I've always felt like he is going to be back with the Yankees. The Yankees will up their offer, and they'll figure out a way to make this work. Uh, And... um, I don't see any reason why that that won't turn out to be the case. There has always, though, seemed to be, and I don't know because I'm not a baseball insider, but it feels like that there's some sort of feeling within the industry that, like, Judge has already made up his mind to leave. 
If that's the case, well, then there's nothing really the Yankees can do. If he's already made up his mind to go after that, 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 uh, that offer at opening day, like either that turned him off or he has another place that like he wants to go home to California or something like that, well, then it doesn't really matter. Here's the thing, though. And for everybody who's going to throw out numbers of this thing or that thing, um, you're not paying him. The, the next contract, you're not paying him for what he's doing right now. You're paying him for what you think he will do in the future. And if that's the case, general, uh, the Yankee fans aren't going to want to hear this, but history generally tells you that $100 million contracts to players who are over the age of 30 are a little dangerous. So if it does turn out, if you think that he's going to get seven years for $350 million, uh, I mean, that, that, that's a, the Yankees can certainly afford it, but that's a big, that's a big number, man. And if, if you go by history, you get up to that range – it doesn't take long for regrets to end, and the Yankees should know. I mean, if they have any regrets about Garrett Cole, uh, that, that's certainly one that you're hoping that right now he's going to get better than he's been so far this year, but already you're in year what? Year three of that deal? Year four of that deal? And, and maybe there's some, some buyer's remorse. So if you're talking about a seven-year contract or $300-plus million, I don't know if the Yankees are going to be willing to go to that level. I'm not sure about that. Nithin is in Jackson. Nithin, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, what's up, Gordon? I don't know if you remember me, but we had you on our uh, on our show two years ago. How oh, you is that right? Okay, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, so, yeah. How you been? I'm good. Everything's good. How was about what, yeah. what you got for me? Yeah, so I got two things real quick. Yeah, first on the Yankees Mets subway series. What a big uh, series for the Yankees, and obviously also with the Mets, but. The Yankees, the Yankees needed this uh, to to help them get the confidence back in, in their in, 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 in the winning ways. And uh, like a, Frankie Montes yesterday, he pitched great uh, uh, with the bounce back start in the offense. It's starting to look better, but um, it's still kind of shaky to be honest. Scoring only 12 runs in three games, but I think the offense is starting to getting it's starting to heat up. And um, what a big confidence boost for them to win both of them uh, heading into the big road trip starting tomorrow in Oakland and Stanton coming back, which is a big, big uh, step for them. So uh, all in all, great series for them in, at home, finishing up the homestead with, against the Mets. And now they have a big uh, test on the road, but let's see what happens there. But um, but the other thing I want to bring up is uh, I also work for uh, Jersey Sporting News, and we've been covering Somerset Patriots a lot lately. Uh, we've been covering Volpe, uh, Austin Wells, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if you remember David Garcia. He's there too. Sure, of and, course. Um, Yankee fans should be excited. And uh, yeah, uh, like uh, as a re- I'm a reporter now too. And as uh, Yankees are criticizing the front office for not trading these, I, I, I tell I, I keep telling them be patient because um, Yankee fans should be excited with all these prospects coming up pretty soon. And David Garcia, um, we, we covered him tonight. He he pitched great, ten strikeouts. He's working. He's working hard, working his way back up to get back to the Yankees. And, um, I mean, all I can say to Yankee fans is just be, be patient with these prospects, give them a chance, and uh, get, get excited because I think the future is uh, bright for them when it comes to prospects. Well, look, Nathan, thanks for the phone call. Uh, you know, the problem is, is if you're of a certain age, uh, you've been hearing about Yankee prospects your entire life. And, and the hit rate on any prospect, not just Yankee prospects, but the hit rate on, on prospects. And I came up at an age where I was a Yankee fan, 
And, and maybe part of this is why I'm so jaded. But I remember the Mets were coming off a World Series in 86, and they had this prospect. This guy was going to set the world on fire. His baseball cards, if you got one of his baseball cards, man, oh, boy, you were going to be able to cash in down the road because he was not just a top prospect. He was made for this. He was not just the Mets' best prospect. He was the best prospect in baseball, and he could swing a bat underwater. And his name was Greg Jeffries. If I read one story about how Greg Jeffries trained in the pool and would swing the bat underwater to improve his swing, if I read that story once, I read it 100 times. And if I had a dollar for every time I read that story, I certainly would have made a whole lot more money than I did on Greg Jeffries' baseball card. So that's the thing about prospects. You can talk about them till you're blue in the face. You've heard about it a thousand times about this. Pro- Jesus Montero. The Yankees have had more than enough of them. Jesus Montero was going to be this monster. Bam Bam Mullins. I remember when Bam Bam Mullins was in the minors, and there was a very prominent baseball reporter at the time who suggested if baseball ever changed to aluminum bats, Hensley Mullen's swing would be so great he might kill somebody at third base. So I've been hearing about prospects until the, the cows come home. And very rarely do those prospects ever turn out to be what you think they're going to be. And more times than not, the guys that you don't really hear all that much about those are the guys who turn out to be the superstar. Like Jacob DeGrom, I'm not a Met fan, but I felt like when Jacob DeGrom came up, there was not any hoopla. It was certainly not Matt Harvey, right? When Matt Harvey came up, all oh, this hoopla, oh, my God, it's Harvey Day, Matt Harvey. You've been hearing about Matt Harvey, Matt Harvey, Matt Harvey. When Jacob DeGrom came up, I was like, oh, here's this guy, Jacob DeGrom. And it turns out Jacob DeGrom is going to be a Hall of Famer. Same thing kind of with Andy Pettit, even as a Yankee fan. I didn't hear that all that much about Andy Pettit. I was aware of him, but I didn't know he was going to turn out to what he turned out to be. So prospects, it's all well and good um, that you think that this guy is going to turn out to be that great. And hopefully they are. For the Yankees' sake, hopefully they are. But when you went into a trade deadline this year where the clear goal is you must win the World Series this year, to me, even now, even after seeing Ben Attendee do what he did the last few days, even after watching Montas, I still have a little remorse that the Yankees weren't more aggressive in going out and getting the real difference makers. And there were plenty of them out there at this year's trade deadline. Lucas is in New Jersey. Lucas, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, how's it going, boss? Hey, Lucas. Appreciate What's going on, you? pal? Uh, not much. I'm here listening to you, and I'm over here wondering, like, out of every player in baseball, who could actually fill Judge's shoes since he's the biggest Yankee to be in New York City since Derek Jeter. Like, no one can ever replace that X factor that Aaron Judge is. The fan base, the number, the judge's corner. Like, the Yankees, if they lose him, they're losing someone that's critical to the culture of the Yankees, in my opinion, and to the Bronx and what he means to the city. And I also wanted to, not to take up too much of your time, is to, I want to shout out to the best Dominican baseball player that had ever lived, Albert Pujols who's the hottest player in baseball right now. Yeah, he's angling with a bang, man. Yeah, and uh, last comment just before I hang up is the Yankees have been on a streak ever since a social media post has gone viral of the guy drinking beer out of a hot dog as a straw. So all I want to say is maybe the Knicks got to do it too. 
Thank you All so right. much. We'll see, Lucas. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, and, and look, the Yankees were, 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 I mean, they had a pretty good season even before that. I know the recent slump has been uh, concerning, but uh, I don't know if the hot dog straw guy has any real connection. Well, look, that's what, you know, that the points that you made, I, I agree. I think that's why the Yankees will find a way to make a deal work with Aaron Judge. Is there a possibility he goes someplace else? Yeah. But I, 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 maybe I'm the weirdo. That is not, like on my list of concerns, watching the Yankees every single night, if I had to put a list together of 20 things that I'm concerned of or focused on, or the Aaron Judge contract is not among the top 20. I, I don't know these people who are so focused on something that's going to happen down the road and will probably wind up turning out okay. So very, very strange to me. I'm not worried about the Aaron Judge contract. I got plenty of things to worry about. That's not one of them. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It's Gordon Damer flying solo on ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York tonight. Here's Gordon Damer. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. That caller, it it just brought me up, uh, you know, just thinking about different uh, prospects that were supposed to be the next big thing. I guess the biggest one as a Yankee fan um, would have to probably be Brian Taylor because that I think that was 90 or 91 that he was the number one pick and he was going to be this, you know, fastball, 100-mile, you know, at a time where people didn't throw regularly 100 miles an hour. He was like 97, 98, and he had a lot, you know, he was a young kid, but then, of course, had the, the, the bar fight, hurt his arm, and, and was never the same. I'm just trying to think of baseball card-wise. Guys that you're like, oh, you got to get that guy. Todd Van Poppel was another guy who was supposed to be uh, really big. I think the – did the was he um, – I'm trying to think of the, some of the Met ones too. David West obviously was one of them. Um, Paul Wilson. So there's been some. For every guy who people think and know right away, that guy is going to be a superstar. Like Ken Griffey Jr. You knew Ken Griffey Jr. was going to be a superstar. For all those guys that are that, like, clear-cut, even when they're good, like I mentioned Greg Jeffries. Greg Jeffries didn't have a bad career, but he was just so overhyped that it was, it was almost impossible to live up to it. He probably played for, like, eight, nine years, but he just never turned out to be the player that people thought he was going to be. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to uh, Bobby is in uh, Port Washington. Bobby, you're next Bobby. up on ESPN. Gordon, how you doing? Hey, Bobby, what's going on, pal? Um, first of all, I want to nicely take you on about Sam Donald and Baker Mayfield. Y- okay. You've been killing Sam Donald. Sam Donald previously played for a semi-pro team called the Jets. And I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a Jets fan. From well, well, Bobby, what, what, what are you taking me on about? That I think Sam, Sam Donald's not good? You, you don't like Sam. You think he's a... He's no good. He's not good. You always stump on him that he's like a loser. Well, he hasn't or that. You've been good. Been negative towards him, Bobby. He hasn't been good. And you know who also agrees that he's not been good? The Carolina Panthers. Um, did you did you watch Sam and and Baker Mayfield? They both looked good. Sam is not a bad quarterback. When okay. he had okay, then why did like, they trade um, for Baker McCaffrey. Mayfield? When he had McCaffrey, he was three and zero, and people were like he didn't singing play his that praises. well. He didn't the, really the play that well line. in those three games, Bobby. Bobby, look, the, the result these this is not really arguable. If if the if the Panthers had any faith at all in Sam Darnold, they wouldn't have went out and traded for Baker Mayfield. 
when he had an offensive line and McCaffrey, he rolled. He's a Rold big guy. A bit strong. He does a lot of good things. Baker so then, Mayfield right, Bobby, had a, so then why, had a why, why, Bobby, why did, why did the Panthers trade for Baker Mayfield? Because they're desperate. Coaches on the but, spot. But why, but why are they desperate? <laughs> if they have <laughs> this star-studded the quarterback, why job, would they trade for okay? another quarterback? Because they need help. They're <laughs> right, shots. a quarterback. They're taking shots. They're taking shots. Right. But I right, saw, man. I don't think he did anything special. Sam Baker Mayfield had a play. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's had a career. Team. Ba- yes, look, yes Baker no. Mayfield's been yes very no. up and down, but Baker Mayfield's best year is by far better than anything Sam Darnold's done. Did he have a I mean, playoff team? A, a pre-made playoff team? Yes or no? But I mean, look at his look at yes what no. he's performed. Yes or no. as. And last he year he was playing team. hurt. Yes or no? I well, rest my look, case. I, I can't help the situation that he found himself in, but I mean, th- there were not that many people trading for. For, for for Baker Mayfield, he was out there a very long time, but the Carolina Panthers think it's an upgrade, right? Hey, it's a great deal. Somebody's paying you to take on a quarterback that, that, that wasn't good enough in their eyes. He had a playoff team. You didn't answer my question. Did Baker Mayfield have a playoff team for every year? Well, he look, was he had a far more talented Browns. team than, than oh, what yeah. Donald Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And okay. he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Okay. So, I think it was. Well, a, I mean, best, it's not debatable that the up. Panthers think that, that that Baker Mayfield is an upgrade because they just named him the starting quarterback over Sam Darnold, and it wasn't really all that, that was, close. That was the, that was decision made was made when they traded for him. Sam never had a chance. Anyway, let's quickly no, no, change to the next. He had a chance Knicks. last year they when cannot, he was the starting quarterback. They thought that they thought they got, they got a steal from the Jets getting Sam Darnold, and it didn't turn out that way. They they did they did. And if they gave him an offensive line that could stay healthy and McCaffrey, they would have had well, well, a very a good season last year and made the playoffs. But did he have those and made the I mean, the, the offensive line was essentially the same offensive line he had when you said he rolled at the beginning of the season. No, they had they had injuries. They had injuries that, that started very quickly. You have to adjust to that, yeah. It is, it is, it is. But it's the quarterback's fault when lose the draw. Anyway, the Knicks, um, okay. they can't make this trade. They're being forced into this trade. They're going to have two very short guards, not good. And they're going to give up too much, as usual. This is another – this is history repeating itself. Anyway, I love your show. Thank, Thank you, you very much for letting me talk. Well, have a great yeah, no, one. No, absolutely, Bobby. And I look, I, I like to keep – you know, in this slot, you can kind of let people breathe a little bit. It doesn't have to be so quick on the trigger and everything else. Here's the thing with, here's the, thing with, the, with the, the Knicks. You, you said, well, they can't make this deal. I don't know what the deal is. Until we know, like, I can't judge, like, are you telling me that the Knicks wouldn't be better with Donovan Mitchell? Significantly better with an all-star, a multiple all-star player who's 25, 26 years of age, is, you know, last couple of years, top 10, top 11 in scoring, and can kind of take over a game at times. The Knicks do not have that player. They have not had that player in a very long time. That's not really debatable. That's not really up for debate. Now, the price tag, that's the part, and I'll be honest with you. There's a price tag that I'm willing to pay. There's a price tag that I'm not willing to pay. So it's kind of tough to say they can't make this deal or they have to make this deal until you know what the price actually is, right? Like nobody walks into the ha- the open house and says, I'm buying it. Well, maybe you know, Elon Musk does or, you know, Bezos. He, he You know, you got Bezos money. You can do that. But... I have to wait to see what the deal actually is. And, you know, some of the things that are out there, I don't think they can really be 
believed. So coming up, we'll get into some of these reports because there's one name that's being mentioned that I don't think makes sense for either side. So we'll do that next. It's Gordon Damer. It's 98.7 FM. It is ESPN New York tonight. 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York tonight. Here's Gordon Damer. We've been talking, uh, you know, just opened up things with the, the Yankees, talked a little Knicks, but, uh, you know, the football is uh, kind of hanging out there. And I think that's where I want to turn my attention to here because you got, what, 15 days, I think it is, until the NFL season opener, and then you got 18 days until the Jets and Giants get things started. And uh, look, here's the thing. I was thinking about this today. The Jets, excuse me, the Giants are where the Jets just were, right? Like the Jets are one year further along than the Giants are in the rebuilding process. Now, there's been a couple of rebuilds here over the last five years, but you'd have to say with the Jets in the second year of with their head coach, their second year with their quarterback, the Giants head coach year one, new regime, new GM, the Giants are starting over, and you could make a compelling argument that they're not really even started over yet. Like, I keep bringing this up. Like, the, the offseason that they just had, they weren't really able to do anything yet because of the cap situation they found themselves walking in the door. So last year, the Jets were coming off the Adam Gase disaster and turning the page with, with Robert Sala, and this year the Giants are moving on from the Gettleman fiasco, <laughs> the Gettleman years, which will always be... Uh, not fondly remembered. So remember, at this point last year, before we went into the season, Robert Sala, new coach, new quarterback, there were no expectations in terms of wins and losses, really, for the Jets. Nobody was calling up on any of the shows. None of the hosts were saying the Jets must do this, they must do that. It was just simply be better. And that was a very low bar. The bar was so low, it was lying on the ground. Somebody might have dug a trench and put the bar in the trench after the, the final year of the Adam Gase uh, fiasco. So it was just simply be better. Let's see what the quarterback can do. Give us some signs of hope. Give us some signs of progress, and away you go. And that's what the Jets did. They won four games last year. Now, there's a lot of things to fix. We knew that. They were coming. They, were, they had just been one of the worst teams in football, so there was gonna be, it was not going to be a quick fix. The Jets are not uh, one of those, uh, uh, those HGTV shows that like they fix it up in 30 minutes. It's going to take a little longer than that. And that's the case for the Giants this year. There's no expectations in terms of wins and losses. Really, this year is about finding out what you got, find out what you're working with. It's almost like the, the sports movie montage where the coach comes in and he has to find all the different pieces of the guys in the team. All right, what's, what are we working with here? Like Major League. <laughs> Some of these guys are past their prop. This guy's dead. Cross him off then. 